and it gives us a snapshot of what's going on in the cancer cell. They're putting it in personal care products, in toothpaste, toothbrush. And I was really interested in what made people stick with their GP. Cannabinoids are any compounds that have similar effects to cannabis. We can look at what's happening in the blood and that can paint a fuller picture. The issue is that no country's got this right. Think Health on 2SER 107.3. Hi, welcome to Think Health. I'm Jake Morecambe. Just before we get started, I want to say a big shout out to Laura Corrigan for stepping in and taking the reins of this show while I was away for the past month. In Australia, close to 380,000 people work as nurses. The role nurses play in the delivery of healthcare is crucial, often spending more time with the patient than any other health professional. Yet while nurses pay such close attention to the health of others, you'll hear today they often forget to think of themselves. Hi, I'm Lynn Perry. I'm Professor of Nursing Research and Practice Development. I'm based at Prince of Wales Hospital and Sydney Sydney Eyes Hospital, and I'm jointly appointed with UTS Health. How long have you been working in the, in the area of nursing form? Oh, that's a leading question. I have been a nurse 30-something years, I suppose. I've been in my current job based where I am for about eight. So I've been a bit interested in nurses' health for about that about that long because my previously it was patients' health that occupied me mostly and and still is, but nurses' health as well now. Why did the focus switch? I guess because I started noticing that some of the symptoms that I saw in patients I was seeing in nurses too. And we're a workforce, so that's a bit of a challenge. What symptoms? Oh, a lot of tiredness, complaints of pain, which I guess when I was earlier I just shrugged off as well. You know, we work shifts. We do do long hours. And then a bit later I thought, well, hang on a minute. Is this necessarily the best thing? And perhaps we ought to know a little bit about this. And then I started doing some reading and I was really very shocked to find how little we know about nurses' health. And what do you mean, how little? In what respect? We just we we've studied nursing in relation to what we do for patients. We've paid very very little attention to actually our own health and keeping, from the view of keeping us working, our own health is really important. Yet we just blithely take it for granted. And so you were a practicing nurse. Yeah, yeah. And you relate to that? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> How so? Yes. Um, My background was ICU, critical care. So I worked a lot of shifts. I did a lot of overtime. Nobody ever really asked me how I was coping as a single parent with four children at home doing a very large number of extra hours. Um, As long as I turned up, that's it. Is that kind of the culture that they just expected, that you'd just turn up and do the job? Yeah, pretty much. The the expectation is that that's what you that's what you're there for and that is what we're there for and that is what people want to do but there's there's a there's a toll to it and nursing is a hard job it takes a big toll physically and mentally you you spend your time looking after people and their families at what is often absolutely the very worst days in their lives and unlike the other healthcare professionals who come in 
deliver care and go. Nurses are there the whole time. So, and particularly if you're someone like critical care, you can't get away from the bed space. So you're there, you're engaged with the family, the patient, you're going through with them what they're going through with 24-7. It's, it's, it takes a toll. And we've not been particularly good at recognising that and trying, certainly not, taking the next step, which is building in some strategies to try and help and support nurses. When you're talking about this, is there a particular experience that comes to mind for you when you were as a nurse working in ICU? Well, there are quite a few standouts. But one standout was a woman with a very rare cancer who was critically ill. We saw her through through the acute phase, but the cancer progressed very rapidly and we couldn't actually get her to the point of discharging her from critical care. But she was absolutely desperate to go home and I, uh, over a period of days I took her home, um, which was a fairly high risk thing to have done. But I, I spent weeks with that family and um, very shortly afterwards she died, but she died having been able to go home for a few days, which was more than she thought and her family thought they were going to do. So that was a, that was a couple of weeks of my life, probably... 20-something years ago, easily. And yet it's very alive to me now. And every nurse would, would say the same thing. You know, we, we all have a lot of those stories. And it's, it's, some, it's, it's a privilege and it's an honour, but it's not without a personal cost. Why do you remember that story in particular as a standout? Oh, probably because there was a, de- a degree of um, some similarities. She actually wasn't much different in age to me. She had family with children. I could quite imagine myself in that scenario and quite how desperate I'd be to spend a bit of time at home with my family after having been in hospitals quite some weeks and knowing that she wouldn't be going home. So I, I probably identified with her to, to a certain extent, and that's why she made such an impression. But again, that's a common, that's a very common situation. You know, nurses are part of the population that they serve. In terms of, because you must have developed a relationship with this woman at that kind of critical time in her life, and when she did end up passing away, how did you, how did that kind of affect you, having gone through all that with her? It was tough, and there was. This, the support that I had was mostly the informal support because there was no formal support. There was no recognition that I had spent weeks very close to a, a very difficult situation that wasn't ending well. It was ending as well as it could in the situation, but that was, that was not a good outcome for that family. And I relied on my colleagues, but there was no formal support. And that's one of the things, I guess, that... I can now see in the results from our survey where given that there was so little information, we, we set out to do what was a monster of a survey because it asked questions about pretty much every aspect of nurses' health, physical and mental. Like, like what, for example? Oh, everything. We asked about their health and lifestyle behaviours. We asked about the, the diet, the activity, the smoking, the alcohol, um, height, weight, blood pressure. We asked about if they had any diagnosis of any diseases. We asked um, how they felt. We asked about if, how they felt about their jobs. 
So we were trying to build a really comprehensive picture. A lot of things, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because we, we wanted to try and understand how this was for as a workforce. So we were looking not just at factors of health, but how it related to their job satisfaction and their intention to leave their work. I want to jump back for a second. So you mentioned informally kind of mm-hmm. speaking amongst your colleagues. Was that just to, I guess, kind of relay your experience or talk how you were feeling amongst colleagues that were friends? Or Nurses do this everywhere. You've, you form because you all have the same experience. And by and large, unless you have a partner at home who's also a nurse, people at home don't understand what you go through. So nurses where they work together almost always form strong support, informal support groups and have a lot of informal debriefing. There's a lot of, you know, going for a cup of coffee. There's awful, an awful lot of going to a bar for a drink. And sometimes that turns into some dysfunctional coping, like more than one, two, three, etc. But it is that informal support network from just talking with people who know what you're going through, who've been through the same sort of things and who understand that is what is our main support and probably is the main support for a lot of the health professions. But when you look more widely, there are ways that this can be done in a more formal way that sometimes people need because whilst a certain levels of stress and grief can be debriefed and coped with, by just talking to people who understand. That's not always the case, and sometimes people do carry burdens that actually need more professional input, and it's having that access to that, and in no fault, no blame, no stigma ways as well. A lot of workforces, nursing workforces, there is some access to some counselling. It's not always easy to find to access or to get at. Why not? Um... Just because it's rationed, I guess. So they're just due procedure. And sometimes people are concerned to be appearing to need to ask for help. There is an expectation that nurses will cope. And sometimes we are our own worst enemies for that. Because we don't want to appear to not be coping. Think Health will be back after this. when you break up with your partner. This is Think Digital Futures. Each week, an exploration of the moral and mind-boggling questions that face us in the digital age. You can listen on your favourite podcast app. Just search for Think Digital Futures. 2SER is a proud supporter of marriage equality, but to achieve that, you have to get onto the electoral roll no later than today. Hi there, I'm Jeff Field, 2SER's News Director, and me and my partner Jason, along with thousands of other LGBTI Australians, have been campaigning for years to achieve reforms to the outdated marriage laws. Please get on the roll by 6pm tonight so you can vote in the postal ballot and hopefully we can see change when the results are announced in November. For your chance to have a say in our future, head to aec.gov.au. 
You're listening to Think Health. I'm Jake Morecambe. We're going to go back into our chat with Lynn Perry, a professor in the Faculty of Health from the University of Technology, Sydney, and nurse of more than 30 years. Part of Lynn's recent research has involved conducting surveys of Australia's nursing population, not just to identify changing trends within the profession, but also when the profession can become too much. Interesting to look at workforce longevity, I guess, within the nursing profession, and you were telling of an experience that was quite close to you, but a number of decades later you're still in this profession seem very passionate about it. Why did you why did you stay in this area? There are there are things about being able to be so close to people in that time of need that if you can do the job that you've trained to do and if you can be that support and you can help see that person over and through this worst bit of their lives that's very very satisfying but to get that satisfaction we have to be adequately supported and that's that is where sometimes that the stresses come in what always really matters to nurses and it's come it came out in our survey and it's come out in many many of them is that nurses need to feel they've done a good job that to be able to do to nurse somebody the way they feel they need to be nursed, to look after them the way they're able to and want to be able to really matters to them. If they're not able to do that, it's intensely frustrating. And that means that, yes, they need to be well-trained. Our nurses are well-trained. We're a well-educated workforce. They need to be working in, in situations where their expertise and their judgment is valued. So they're allowed to contribute to the decision-making. Do you see them, do you think across the board they are undervalued? I think that sometimes they are. I, I also think that being able to give the care that nurses think they see that the patient needs, there are some very simple but difficult economic calculations in that. And it's about there being adequate time and there being enough nurses and there being enough nurses with the right skill mix so that you as the one senior member on a team are not trying to keep round and keep supporting a team, all of whom are a lot more junior to you, for example. So all of those things need need to be there for nurses to get that sense of job satisfaction, which is what keeps us in nursing. But when it is there, nurses do stay. I did some work with an organisation a couple of years ago I met an 85-year-old still working full-time, wow. which amazed me. Right. Yeah. And she, she had worked all, all through. So we don't leave easily or lightly. <laughs> Is there kind of a typical duration of someone who might work in nursing, like a time period, or is it, is it really kind of everywhere? I don't know. Um, I think that our, our generations are different as well. And that's... That's one of our hot topics at the moment because, of course, my generation, who were the, the baby boomers, literally the, the boom in, in births mm-hmm. uh, post-war, we're heading towards retirement. And when we do, we're taking a big swathe of the nursing workforce with us because... How big? How many? Oh, it's about nearly a third of us that are 45 right. plus. So um, in that age group of approaching potential retirement, that's sort of 50, 55 and over, 
there's a, there's a big proportion of the nursing workforce. We're, we're projected a shortfall of at least 180,000 in a few years' time. So it's big, yes, because there's a lot of us due for retirement. But also, um, too, I have quite a number of friends who, whether it be they initially started studying something else, but then have since turned to nursing. I see a lot of people who are turning mm. to it or have an initial interest in it. Do you think that, although that sounds like a lot of numbers falling out, mm. there's still there's still an interest, like an innate interest in going into the profession? Yes, and we've got much better at managing that as well. If you look back at a, f- a few decades, the, the typical new graduate nurse was 23, 22, 23, and everything was kind of set up for that. And we now recognise that we need people coming in in later life because the numbers are not there in the younger generations. So each generation, the profile is slightly different. And the numbers of nurses coming, the numbers coming into nursing um, in their 20s now, are nothing like as many as in my generation. So we've had to get more geared towards a much more mixed profile of more junior nurses and student nurses even, and even men, which are 10% of our, of our workforce. So we've got better at recognising that they will have different needs and, diff- and different expectations. Do you think with that demand for different needs, um, different ages starting out as nurses, with that demand and the fact that we will need more to make up for lost numbers, that, that support will come alongside it or do we still need to really kind of push that support to well, come? We've been talking about this for, oh, I don't know, I would say at least 15 years. Yeah. Pe- um, people have been talking about when the baby boomers retire and, and how we really need to put in support. And it's now, it's pretty much on our doorsteps and we're still not really doing it very well. And that's kind of one of, that was one of the drivers for wanting to actually look at nurses' health once I realised that we really didn't know a great deal. My thought was, how can we tell how we can best deliver support if we don't know what the real support needs are? We can do an awful lot of flying blind, but until we have a really clear profile of where the stress points are, what are the things that that are linked with nurses deciding they need to leave? not even necessarily always leaving the profession, but changing over jobs. The cost of turnover of staff is enormous. When you take into account having to cover a vacant position, you're using casual or agency staff, so staff who have themselves got expertise, but they don't know the area, they don't know the patients, and the the toll that takes on the staff that work with them. Mm. Plus, at all of the costs of advertising, recruiting and appointing... Staff turnover is an incredibly ex- expensive process, so you you wouldn't want nurses leaving if you could help it, really. Mm. And as we're seeing people coming into nursing at different ages, and we're seeing that we're dealing with a lot more older nurses staying in the workforce, we have to think about how we deal with that, given that our work has now shown we've got a profile of a workforce that are really quite symptomatic experiencing a lot of back pain, a lot of pain generally, a a lot of muscle and joint pain, a lot of severe fatigue. And the mental health issues are are quite considerable. If if we're going to continue to keep the staff in the workforce, we have to think about how can we support them and do more than think. We have to actually do something about it as well. We've done a bit of talking about it, but it's, 
it's time we started actually doing something about it. Lynn Perry, Professor of Nursing and Social Practice and Development in the Faculty of Health at the University of Technology, Sydney. That's all we have time for today on Think Health. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe to us on either iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Just search for Think Health. This show is a collaboration between the University of Technology, Sydney and 2SER Radio. I'm Jake Morecambe. I'll catch you next time.